Presented by Trader Joe's, I'm Stuart Mandel, joined as always by Bruce Feldman on the day before Thanksgiving. Uh, Bruce, we have a lot to get to in this episode. There's a lot going on. First college football rankings came out. Um, the South Carolina coaching search is heating up. Uh, and, and certainly we have a lot of thoughts on BYU, both in terms of scheduling and where they fell in the rankings. But first... Right before we came on to do this, there was breaking news in college football. Nick Saban uh, has tested positive for COVID. This time, it's for real. He has mild symptoms. He is isolating, and he will miss the Iron Bowl this weekend, which obviously seems pretty significant. It does. Uh, one one other aspect to this, both myself and our colleague Aaron Suttles, who covers Alabama for The Athletic, uh, we've each uh, reported from talking to sources that Saban is right now is the only person who has tested positive uh, on the Alabama uh, team among staff or among players at this point. So that is some good news in the face of that. Um, Steve Sarkeesian will now run the oversee the team in the Iron Bowl. And we talked about this a little bit in our South Carolina coaching search. He has impressed a lot of key people around the SEC and at Alabama. And so... Uh, and he's been there two years. I think people feel pretty confident in him and his presence and as a leader. Uh, I don't think it's, you know, I, this is obviously a huge game given it's the Iron Bowl. And I think it's one of those when people talk about when Nick Saban retires and eventually that's going to happen, whether it's two years from now, five years from now. But I do think at this point, Steve Sarkeesian is a real candidate for that. So that's a an interesting subplot to all this that is going on. Pretty crazy when you think about how things ended at USC, um, that he would be, you know, for years and people would say, well, who's going to be the coach when, 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 um, Saban retires, he was, first it was Dabo. And then it was Kirby smart before he really got things going at Georgia. And, uh, you know, you name the Saban protege that of all the people, it could end up being Steve Sarkeesian. Um, but, I think he's done a phenomenal job as OC. I mean, it's easy to say, oh, he, he had two or he has all these great receivers. Uh, it's not that easy. And they've, they've added some new things this year. Look, they lost 2-0. We know how good he is. And they've gotten even better on offense. So credit to him. Um, and let's just hope that, that it stays mild and that Saban's okay. The list, everybody, every so often when somebody will tweet out the list of um, FPS coaches that have tested positive at this point it's up to i believe it's up to 18 not surprising given covid is everywhere right now and certainly we're seeing uh, arizona state poor arizona state just had to cancel their third straight game and they only got to play one before that uh temple has had serious issues um it's everywhere so um i'm just glad to hear that so far at least we don't believe this is spread at alabama beyond saban First college football playoff rankings came out Tuesday night. I had a feeling there would be some surprises in there, given how unusual this season is with the different number of games, but also just the fact that, um, I mean, this season started in early September, and we're not getting the first rankings till late November. Um, 
what I'd ask you what the biggest surprise is, but it seems like everybody agrees the biggest surprise was BYU. You know, it that was part of it, but I mean, to me, you should flip flop BYU and Georgia. What is Georgia yeah. doing at nine, where they have two losses, both by what sixteen and seventeen points in games where they were blown out in the second half, and then the last time we saw them play, they played a Mississippi State team which at full strength isn't very good, much less with 49 scholarship players, and Georgia barely beat them. I was like, why is Georgia in the top 10? And you can you can nitpick on, on BYU's schedule, uh, but BYU, look, I mean, going into the year, they had, I think, a half dozen Power 5 teams they, tr- they scheduled, not tried to schedule, they scheduled. But because of the pandemic, that blew everything up. I mean, they've done about as much as they could do. And, you know, the um, the committee chair this year, Gary Barter, the Iowa AD, he had said right after to explain the rankings, he talked about their schedule, but he also said, pointed out that in their one game that they did have, that it was against a really noteworthy opponent, it's at, B, at Boise State, that they were shorthanded. Well, you know, it's not their fault that they knocked Boise State's second-string quarterback out of the game and that the the first-string quarterback, the starter, I think at that point, uh, might have been in the COVID protocol. So it's just, I don't know. It's, it's unfortunate. If I was a BYU fan, I'd be very disappointed. But I think right now we're in just such an odd, odd place in 2020 with everything that's gone on in the pandemic. And this is the kind of stuff that, is going to happen in such a beauty contest as the CFP model is is set up to be. So, as you know, I'm I've been on every single one of these Tuesday teleconferences since they started doing it. I've I'm a CFP rankings geek. Georgia being number nine is one of the strangest ones I've ever seen them do. Um, and they talk so much about how they watch the games. They watch the games, but and I believe them. But I'm almost like, did you watch last week's Georgia game? Like, where are you? Where are you getting this from? And I think it goes to. I mean, Georgia has so many issues. Even great, you found JT Daniels in your seventh game of the season. Congratulations. Your running game still very average, and your defense has been disappointing. And you're the number nine team in the country. It just goes to show that. You know, they always will say we don't we don't judge com- we judge teams, not conferences. Baloney. Georgia at five and two is number nine. Oklahoma is six and two at number eleven, entirely because Georgia plays in the SEC and Oklahoma plays in the Big Twelve. If Oklahoma and Georgia played tomorrow, the Oklahoma team that we just saw whoop Oklahoma State and has two of their best players back from suspension. Who are you picking? I know who I'm picking. Who are you picking? I'm picking Oklahoma too. You know, Oklahoma is yeah. playing, and that's a that's a great point. Is last weekend, and it's not a one weekend season, and obviously this, these are fluid rankings. But if you just look at what those both teams look like, one against a sorely depleted Mississippi State team that's not good, and another one against an Oklahoma State team that had been playing pretty well. Um, one got dominated, the other one barely survived. I don't know how you look at that and go, yeah, that's a number nine team. I mean, to me, it's like about the only thing they're paying attention to is the recruiting rankings, if that's the case. <laughs> I mean, he said, and it's true, like their two losses were to Florida and Alabama, who were ranked very high. But they but weren't close games. They weren't too. close games, right. So, I mean, they had two chances to show that they're uh, a top 10 team and, and play other top 10 teams, and they got blown out. It's... It, look, at the end of the day, it's not going to affect anything. 
They're not in playoff contention. There are three SEC teams higher than them. But it just really reinforces just how, I mean, the word I would use is elitist. These rankings are very elitist. Uh, I'll get to BYU in a second because there's a lot to talk about there. But, like, why is, this is, again, this does not affect anything, but why is Louisiana Lafayette not ranked at all? They clobbered your number 13 team, Iowa State. Their only loss is by a field goal to your number 20 team, Coastal Carolina. And you've got 3-2 and two Iowa in there, who, by the way, who's the chairman of the committee? Iowa's AD. Not to throw conspiracy theories out there, isn't he sp- In fairness, isn't he supposed to be out of the room when that happens? He mm-hmm. is. I don't think that's why they're there. I don't know why they're there, but they are. Uh, they're there because they're in the Big Ten. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. The the group of five bias in this thing, although I will say it's starting to change a little bit because Cincinnati is now the highest ranked uh, group of five team they've ever had. But I think that's because the American has now separated itself where they they respect the American in a way they don't the other group of five conferences. Marshall, the, they I was on the conference. They said somebody got on there. He's like, why is Marshall number 21? And he's like, Marshall's a great team. They've played great defense. They've held every team they've played to 17 points or less. And we just decided that number 21 was the right place for them. I mean, come on. Um, it felt like with, I'm at, with some of his answers, it was like, even on the BYU thing, Zach, you know, Zach Wilson's a Heisman candidate, da-da-da. But, you know, it's like, He'll say something very positive, but it's almost like, hey, what would you think of Stu's cooking? Well, Stu spent <laughs> a lot of money on the groceries, but everybody got food poisoning. You know, it's like, <laughs> I don't know what, like, it was just very disjointed. I get it. Gary Barda, in that case, is sometimes having to explain stuff that maybe he doesn't entirely agree with, but that's the consensus in the room. And again, the, you use the word elitist, and I don't disagree with it. I would use the word flawed. It's just a very flawed system, and it's especially flawed in 2020 because of all the just bizarre variables that are going around with it. Sure. It's, it is. It is a flawed process, but it is a flawed process that I've come to understand pretty well over the years. And it's because of that, before the rankings even came out, I had a strong feeling BYU is not going to be in the top 10. I wouldn't necessarily have guessed 14, but just I just know that they were going to dog that schedule. And yes, you're right. It's not their fault that it blew up, but... I don't think you get they're going to great give somebody um, brownie points for what they tried to schedule. So, um, you know, in the polls, the polls started when the season started. BYU opened the season on Labor Day and blew out Navy, and a lot of people saw that game. They've actually been on. That's the thing about BYU; they're not, um, you know, playing these games on on some regional TV station. Like until the Pac-12 came back, they were the Pac-12 after dark team. So, lots of people have seen BYU play. And they're blowing people out. And so they just kept moving up and up and up in the polls. 
but obviously the committee's starting from scratch in late November, and they're looking at that schedule that's basically like a group of five potpourri, right? Like here's a couple Sunbelt teams, and here's a couple Conference USA teams, and they do have that one game against Boise, and by the way, I thought that was BS, that they insinuated that it wasn't as impressive a win. I mean, they gave up, uh, Boise's quarterback didn't give up 51 points. Um, I just knew they would downgrade them for that schedule, and because of that, uh, I, I kind of stepped into a little bit of a controversy on Twitter with BYU Nation. Um, like, I even before the rankings came out, I'm like, you they have got to try to find a way to add a Pac-12 team or Cincinnati, who they had a common open date with. Cincinnati now has COVID issues. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, so let's explain what happened here because there's still some lingering uh, uh, debate over what happened in terms of the possibility of BYU playing Washington. I had reported, and this is I have very strong sources on this, that these discussions started happening on the 21st on, on uh, Saturday. And Washington had reached out and was told BYU wanted to wait until after the CFP rankings to, to really get an assessment of where they were and what they needed to be. And there's a lot of stuff that is involved I get in that decision. But as it was relayed to me, and again, this is these are from r- strong sources, BYU turned down the opportunity to take that game at that time. And that was our report. And obviously, um, you know, it's something that got a lot of attention on this, but it's it's just like, I think this is the function of the game wouldn't have happened anyway because, in you know, whatever it is, 72 hours later, maybe 96 hours later, um, because of what happened with Arizona State situation in Utah, now Utah is, is going to end up playing Washington anyway. Um, and the way the Pac-12 rules are written, it's just, it's just kind of screwy. And on top of that, you know, a lot of people talked about how potentially, since BYU doesn't play again until the t- December 12th against San Diego State, they're open as well as Cincinnati is open on the 5th. But then it comes out, you know, the morning after the ranking, Cincinnati has, a, has COVID issues as well as Temple. And that game is off. And it's not like even though both of those teams have a game on the 5th that Cincinnati could jump in and then play a game. So it's just like, you know, there are no easy answers if you're a BYU person here. The BYU fans are adamant that it wasn't that the about the playoff rankings. It was about they didn't want to be somebody's backup plan. They didn't want to have to rearrange their week and everything. And and by the way, Kalani Sataki said on – he was on ESPN Tuesday. He said they practiced – Monday night in anticipation of possibly playing Washington, but that quote, it fell through. He didn't say why or how it fell through, but reading between the lines, um, I think that they were pushing the Pac-12 to try to guarantee them that the game will get played, and they couldn't because that's that's all they have is to prioritize the conference. So uh, I get it. I get it's a very, um, you know, you don't want to be anybody's backup plan, and especially when, by the way, the the plan A is, is Utah, your arch rival. But my point was, what choice do you have? I mean, BYU has no leverage in this situation. They desperately need another game, especially after it comes out that they're 14th. Like, they need to beat somebody of note, not San Diego State, if they want to move up high enough to go to a New Year's Six Bowl. So if so, and, and, oh, and by the way, let's not forget, like, I don't think this becomes the thing that it does where I 
use the word ducking and other people similar. If they didn't have their own Twitter account, tweet out a picture of Zach Wilson on Saturday with a headband that said, any team, anytime, anywhere. You're the team that says any team, anytime, anywhere. And then that any team comes to you, Washington, and says, hey, we might need a game this weekend. Would you like to play? And they say, ah, oh, let us think about it. Ah, eh, we don't like the details. You know, I'm not sure this is a great deal for us. That's where the, the backlash came from. But um, as we're seeing in the Pac-12, games are getting canceled. They've had two games a week canceled out of six. Like this could same scenario could come up next week where somebody's available, but it's still possible that up until Thursday they they might have another option. If I'm BYU, just sign up. Don't haggle over the details. Say we'll play. Uh, I know. Suck up your pride. We're gonna we'll play if we can because this is not every year that they get this opportunity. That the New Year's Six Bowl is within range, but you're not gonna get there just yet because they just. Don't respect that schedule. Hey, Stu, I wanted uh, to ask you this. This is a, maybe to me an, an obvious question that neither one of us have addressed. If that game happened, um, Cincinnati versus BYU, who would you pick? Gosh, that's a great question. And and by the way, I think the problem for BYU with the committee, I wrote this in the mailbag, is the, is, is the no conference thing. Because Cincinnati and BYU being seven spots apart, I think – like you, it's a toss-up. I don't. They've both been great, but I think the committee looks at SMU and Memphis and UCF, and they see, you know, respectable teams that that Cincinnati beat and BYU. They don't see that. Um, I think I would pick Cincinnati because I just think they 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 play great, great defense, dominant defense, and they've got a quarterback in Desmond Ritter who has really become a difference maker. Now, you might turn around and say BYU has the exact same formula, and you wouldn't necessarily be wrong. Um, but again, I've, I've seen them do this now uh, week after week in the AAC. Who would you pick? Um, I might. I think I'd pick BYU. I mean, I just have been so impressed by their physicality. And, and to me, Ritter has come on and played well. I feel like... I mean, to me, Zach Wilson, if there's a normal, um, it's not normal, obviously, but like if it was like, hey, the Heisman finalists get to go to New York, Zach Wilson belongs in New York. I mean, I'm right now, I think Kyle Trask might be my guy to win the Heisman, but I don't know. I mean, I, I'd i have a hard time picking against against BYU. And if, if we open this up to like, let's say divisions, how about this? Um, how many divisions in the Power Five do you think either Cincinnati or BYU would win? Well, why don't I just give you a really simple answer? If either of those teams, this is going to anger some people, if either of those teams were in the Pac-12 this year, uh, in the Pac-12 South, I would pick them to win the Pac-12 South, and I might pick them to win the Pac-12 period. I would actually agree with that, too. I have more confidence in BYU than I do in USC right now. I would agree with what you said. And I like, you know, look, I think Washington's look was really impressive last week. Um, they dominated Arizona in certainly ways. It's Arizona, I get it, but Arizona looked a lot better against USC than they did against Washington. And Oregon's talented, but they had their hands full with UCLA. So I don't know. I, everything you just said, I agree with. Would you, um, and maybe take off your your purple Ravel hat, would you pick 
Cincinnati or BYU over Northwestern? I would pick Cincinnati over Northwestern and, and not to rain on the parade of this historic ranking that they just got on uh, Tuesday night where they now control their playoff destiny, believe it or not. Uh, I think I, I think I would pick both Cincinnati and BYU in those games. Um, they're just, you know, nothing against Wisconsin, who Northwestern just beat, but Cincinnati's got, I think, more explosiveness uh, on offense and still a great defense. And Zach Wilson. I mean, they haven't faced a quarterback like Zach Wilson yet. So um, now when you get into these hypotheticals, it's like, well, in a one-game situation, I mean, in a one-game situation, I'd, I'd give those two a chance against anybody outside of, like, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame. Um, but, you know, playing – it's not – it's harder to say the word grind when it's only eight or nine games. But playing a full schedule without necessarily a team full of four and five stars, probably they're not going to go undefeated, but you just ask for, like, a one-off. Yeah, I would agree with everything you said um, through and through. That's the same with me. Um, I would pick them, pick both those teams over Northwestern right now. I just feel like they are a more complete team. Were you surprised Oregon was so low? A little bit. I wonder if Oregon had blown out UCLA, uh, if they would have. I mean, because UCLA played them toe-to-toe with, with Chase Griffin, who had never thrown a pass in a college game, looked very good against them. It's a backup quarterback, and they were out a bunch of guys. I think they were out 10-plus guys. Um, so maybe that factored into it. I don't know. Um, I think Oregon's the best team in the in the Pac-12. I don't know how much weight that's going to carry. I would Honestly, I would love to see Oregon play BYU as well. Um, you know, I don't know how any of these things could, you know, could play out to have that happen. You know, certainly... You know, it's weird because the way I can see something, the way 2020 seems to be going is we seem to be getting a bunch of cancellations. I don't feel like this all of a sudden it's going to stop and every week, every either there's going to be a week where everyone plays. But one of these teams probably will have a cancellation uh, the way it'll work out on December 12th. And BYU would not be able to accommodate because it has San Diego State. It's not like somebody's going to say to, to, to the AD at BYU and say, hey, you know what? you could play a team that's in the top 20 or you can stick with the game you're scheduled. You know, it's not like that's unfair to do that to San Diego State or to BYU at that point. But I can just, like, that would not at all surprise me if that scenario opened up either Oregon or Washington, like, was open that week. Well, and I believe they've talked to San Diego State about some possibly moving that game around because you could move that game to the 19th. That is true. Uh, And San Diego State's not going to play in the Mountain West title game. You could move that game to the 19th and give yourself that window if San Diego State's up for it. You could have... The way to have a BYU-Oregon game is if we can get BYU high enough to make the New Year Six, that would probably be your Fiesta Bowl matchup. Not good Uh, enough. Pac-12 champ versus BYU. Not good enough to me. I want to see them... You know, I, I like let them have the real opportunity to get into the playoff. Like the afterwards is like, you know, what's you? They're not going to the playoff. Yeah, like that's a that's a pipe dream. We right now they're just trying to get high enough to to go to the New Year's Six. Cincinnati, I think, has a shot at the playoff. Some things have to break their way, but they're already number seven, and there's still several games to play. Now they're having COVID issues. They and Temple both uh, they had to postpone their game or cancel their game. 
But if they can get back in time to play Tulsa, who the committee has in the top 25, and they'll probably play them twice in a row, you know, they'll have some chances to improve their resume. But I still think they would. I mean, they're going to need Texas A&M to lose a second game, uh, and they're going to need they're going to need the conference title games to break right, where there's no possibility that two ACC teams are going to make it, or that uh, both Alabama and Florida are going to make it. Notre Dame's got a tough game this week at UNC. UNC, great offense. Yeah, Notre Dame also down two of their key interior linemen. Uh, just one other point on on BYU. One last point. So they, as you mentioned, or as I think we mentioned, they dominated Navy in the opener. It wasn't even close, and everyone saw it on national TV. If Navy were to beat Memphis and beat Tulsa, and by the way, Tulsa's in the top 25, and then beat Army, I mean, it's, it feels like a completely you know, different year that that game was played. Um, <laughs> would you then, I mean, did that give, well, does it give them a light of day at least a little bit? All then? right. All right. Well, okay. I j- this is going to seem hypocritical because I just said that uh, they shouldn't be docking them for Boise State being down to their third string quarterback. That BYU Navy game, remember that's the game where Navy came out, Niamatololo came out for and said, yeah, we didn't practice tackling all preseason. Whoops. That was a bad idea. Like, they would beat them if they played them again today. I don't know that it would be so lopsided. Um, no, I don't. They need – that's not what's going to push it over the edge. They need a Washington, an Oregon, a Cincinnati, which Chris Vanini and I did this this point-counterpoint um, about why they should play each other. He didn't think they should. And I was surprised how few people were on my side. They 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 thought it was too much of a downside for Cincinnati. And I'm like uh, – you don't think a win over now number 14 BYU down the stretch wouldn't help their playoff cause? Of course it would. And if they lose, oh well, they can still win their conference and go to a New Year's Six game. Okay. Um, real quick, uh, people love the coaching carousel. Where do Any updates on South Carolina? Uh, you know, everything I've heard is that still – you know, three guys they're very, very interested in would be Billy Napier from Louisiana, Steve Sarkeesian, the offensive coordinator at Alabama, and Hugh Freeze at Liberty. I think those guys are still definitely on the radar. Not sure how how interested those three uh, are in the South Carolina job, if they would jump at it. Another name who's definitely getting traction there is a former South Carolina assistant Shane Beamer, he's Frank Beamer's son. He is on the Oklahoma staff. Uh, there's just a lot of people at South Carolina who are very impressed by him, and so he's a real candidate there. Uh, Jamie Chadwell from Coastal Carolina has done a terrific job with that program. He is also in the mix right now. That's where we're at. Um, I would expect things to heat up in the next week or so, week and a half from now. You know, what's interesting is that they keep saying they want to have a coach in place by early signing day, but some of the coaches you're talking about are going to have a game on December 19th. So do we think that a coach would leave his job before the conference championship game to go start recruiting for South Carolina? Ooh, that's always awkward. I don't know the answer to that. I mean, nobody has done that to this point. They'll skip the bowl game. Nobody has walked out on a conference title game. They didn't have to. It's the fact that they've been pushed back so far this year. I think that would be a really bad look, and I, I find it hard to believe somebody would, would agree to that. So I think they may get that coach, but they may need to suck it up and, and 
either guys don't sign on early signing day or the interim coach is the one trying to make it happen. I don't know. I think having a coach, in, unless it's a coach that is just not, whose team is not in contention, but all the guys you mentioned um, are in contention. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did I forget? Anybody? I mean, Billy Napier's playing. He's already clinched a spot in his. Um, Shane Beamer, Oklahoma, is probably going to be playing that day. Jamie Sark. Chadwell is probably going to be yeah. playing that day. Sark. Yeah, I, I think that uh, they may have to reset expectations there. Hey, Stu, before we wrap, uh, one, one uh, not a shout-out, but one just one note. Uh, I saw this morning that Ruffin Rodrique had passed. He, uh, I don't know if you remember him as a player. He was a lineman at LSU in the 80s, but um, became a very prominent player. Uh, presence in the in the restaurant community in uh, louisiana and both andy and i andy staples and i ate at rafino's which was uh his restaurant it was just a great place and he was a big personality and really engaging and loved people and um you know andy and i got to know him and uh our hearts are not just with his family but also this is a guy who was beloved by so many people down there and just wanted to acknowledge him this morning yeah, I, 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 I've seen a lot of reactions like that from people with, with in Baton Rouge or ties to Baton Rouge. Um, I, I know that, that this is a really big loss for that community, so um, we're thinking of them. And on that note, listeners, I hope you have a very happy Thanksgiving and enjoy the games this weekend.